And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney, here to talk about the Chicago Cubs, who are pretty good, it turns out. Pretty, pretty good. Good enough that the front office, of course, uh, not only avoided selling off at this week's trade deadline, but bought. And uh, it was shortly after our last episode that the Cubs acquired old friend Jamer Candelario from the Washington Nationals, which... Um, was, you know, had come to be uh, a plausible trade in the days leading up to the deadline. But it's it's just interesting because a few weeks earlier, I don't think anybody would have said that that was a highly likely move, just kind of something on the radar. And he ended up being the best rental bat that was traded at this deadline. And it's interesting, given all, you know, how much time we spent talking about wanting uh, a right-handed bench bat and a, another late-inning reliever or lefty reliever for the Cubs, they actually ended up getting a sort of combo third baseman, first baseman switch hitter, who's really more of a starter than any kind of bench supplement. So the, the Cubs a little more aggressive than I think maybe we were thinking. And uh, so far through two games in the second Jamer Candelario era, it's uh, he clearly is the difference between the Cubs scoring, you know, 36 runs in two games. And uh, no, uh, so obviously we'll get into the Reds series so far the Candelario trade, and also Marcus Stroman's hitting the injured list with a hip issue. So we'll talk about that as well. But I guess let's let's start at the deadline. Um, you know, thoughts and reactions to what the Cubs did and didn't do, what the market ended up looking like overall. Uh, you know, just want to throw it to you guys for your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was pretty surprised by the Candelario move when it happened. I, I really thought they were going to work around the edges and not get an obvious, uh, I mean, obvious upgrades I, I was sure they would get, but I didn't think it would be as impactful as, as Candelario. Uh, yeah, the best bat that was moved, uh, he's, he changes this lineup, I think, significantly and kind of raises the ceiling for the team as a whole. Uh, the market was a mess, right? I mean, it, there were so few sellers. Uh, the buyers that I expected to be big just weren't there. Uh, Baltimore didn't do anything. Cincinnati did nothing. And we're seeing kind of the consequences immediately of that. Uh, a few other teams, San Francisco kind of sat out. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of teams that, 
either just kind of shifted pieces around, did smaller moves, or did nothing that you just expected to do more. So uh, I know Cubs fans probably wanted a little bit more, but I think this it kind of speaks to the market. They just it was really expensive to get some of these pieces, and the Cubs kind of leveraged their their depth there and were able to get one of the bigger uh, bigger bats available. But you also have to consider that. Uh, three of the sellers were the Pirates, the Cardinals, and the White Sox. So the Cubs and I guess the Reds to an extent had extra work to do if they wanted to, uh, if they were going to buy from it, either uh, any of those three teams because they just weren't going to, they certainly weren't going to sell to the Cubs at a normal price. That just isn't how, I mean, as much as people think that's bad logic on for those teams, it's reality. There's just an extra cost working with the White Sox if you're the Cubs and the Cardinals and Pirates almost certainly don't want to don't want to move players to help a team like the Cubs uh, win and get to the playoffs. So I think that factored in significantly to trying to get some more relief help. Uh, there were just so few teams for the Cubs to work with, and and the costs were exorbitantly high. Uh, but it, I was impressed that they were able to get uh, Candelario, and we'll see how the impact that Quas can have. It's funny. I was in the Nationals clubhouse a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, mostly to talk to Davey Martinez, but I saw Jamer and said hi and would have loved to have written the will the Cubs trade for him story uh but just felt kind of misleading at that point like it was kind of wish casting and obviously I should have just written the story uh at that point because uh he's a super friendly guy and he was thinking about it himself he was talking to our Cubs personnel about this he it was definitely in in the back of his mind and um He's always been very well regarded uh, in the organization as a player and a person. And I, and I really think um, it's just a, a great fit. And the cost, like, I think sometimes these front offices get so wrapped up in their projections. I mean, DJ Hers is probably going to be a lefty reliever. He's certainly talented. And Kevin Made is very, very young and, like, totally buried on the shortstop depth chart i'm just like what i don't know i think i think sometimes we go a little overboard on you know oh what we're giving up and oh how expensive it was when clearly a big part of this was the cbt that the cubs were just not gonna go over that for baseball reasons uh and as much as i love the candelario edition i think the lack of bullpen reinforcement could really hurt them unless they have Another kind of rabbit to pull out of the uh, the pitch lab, you know, and this is what it's going to come down to of, you know, guys uh, internally, guys getting better and the best guys they have not breaking down, uh, given a track record that's a little a little suspect at this point. Yeah, I would say uh, equal parts surprised by the lack of a more surefire bullpen addition. I mean, Quas definitely checks the boxes for this front office for the type of guy that they they look for and so i i dig that move in isolation especially because you're trading away nelson velasquez who could be a big league contributor but it wasn't going to happen with the cubs and so it becomes a point at which you are just taking up a 40-man roster spot for a guy who's not going to come up and so that 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 trade was sort of 
um, vintage, this group, and made total sense to me. Um, but it was surprising to me that they didn't add a more surefire relief arm because of what you're saying, Patrick, that I, I do worry what's going to happen over. There's still two months to go, and you just worry about how hard some of these guys have been ridden, and clearly the Cubs are going to have to lean on internal moves to supplement the bullpen. Um, and then I was equally surprised at the Candelario deal, Certainly, again, less so by the time we got to within three or four days of the deadline and we knew the Cubs were buyers. But what we didn't know is that the Cubs were ready to jettison Trey Mancini. I don't that was not on my radar at all. And had I known that, which and I think it was very justified, but had I known that I would have thought, oh, okay, so then they've got a little more flexibility in who they could add. And then you might have been able to connect the dots because um, as it stood even Patrick Wisdom couldn't get starts at first base against lefties, um, which I found interesting, by the way, that Jed mentioned in his post-trade line, trade deadline presser that Wisdom was going to be getting starts at first base, and that was a part of the calculus of letting Mancini go because there weren't going to be starts. It had a bit of the flavor of like a nudge maybe to David Ross to say, you got to stop playing Trey Mancini because it had been weeks where it made no sense for him to keep getting those starts. And, um, so to that end, I wish Mancini well. Um, he was signed through next year at another $7 million next year. And I, but I applaud the Cubs cutting bait now. And maybe he bounces back with someone else. But that was as much as the Candelario trade, to me, setting loose Trey Mancini said a lot about what the Cubs think about these next two months. Like they do not want to waste a roster spot. They do not, not want to risk him getting any more important at-bats. They want to make sure they've covered every possible angle for these final two months, even if it means eating $7 million next year when maybe Mancini gets well in the offseason. We don't know, but the Cubs aren't willing to, to take that chance over two months. And I thought that I thought that said a lot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was I was kind of surprised that that was what they were willing to do. I mean, it, it also if they're willing to do that, eat that money already, I think that says a lot about what they're willing to do next winter too like i don't think they're gonna look at it i mean it's gonna if they're using excuses like oh well we have this money on the books we can't we can't add like we want to because of this and that uh i'd be shocked right like they're it's it looks like they're priming to be pretty aggressive especially well, by staying especially under the luxury tax right now yep. uh yep. like they're they're clearly gearing up to uh to really push in for 24 and 25 which was the expectation and um, two months ago felt like how can they do that if this team is currently 10 games under 500 and struggling and and just you know we can talk about underlying metrics all we want they're not good right now they're record wise and they're probably selling right like so this this changed course significantly not just for this season but for the you know the the next couple seasons afterwards i feel like there's there's been some impact here uh just in general i think you look at the lineup now with jan gomes hitting and nick madrigal hitting and patrick wisdom only being in there against certain types of lefties suddenly you have to say like where's where's like the big hole in this lineup uh, and that it feels so silly to say that because it it didn't it certainly wasn't the case not that long ago. I mean, yeah, when Tucker Barnhart starts, it's he's a, he's not an impactful offensive player. Say Suzuki is struggling, but do we are we just assuming that Say Suzuki is like that for 
the foreseeable future i wouldn't i wouldn't assume that uh so it, you know it, this this offense i know they're facing weak pitching they're facing weak pitching they're not going to average 18 runs a game uh but they they look significantly better something clicked uh, like i felt like i saw something even in that red series outside of cutter crawford from the all-star break on they've just been hitting they've they've had like I was I kept looking up at the Wrigley board and seeing like 10 hits 12 hits 8 hits it's like every single game they're hitting and they're putting up good at bats like and now you add Jamer to it all and kind of like the whole you know intangible concept of hitting is contagious I don't know how much I buy that but when you watch this on the field you start to feel like there's a little truth to it um, very curious to see how this weekend goes, honestly. I think uh, uh, the, what they did against the Reds, even in the loss, and we can get into Marcus Stroman, even in Monday's loss, that was three and a third from the starter. Three and a third, is that right? Three and a third Tuesday from the starter, and then four and a third Wednesday from the starter. And now Luke Weaver is starting Thursday night. I don't want to jinx this good <laughs> Cubs. <laughs> Fans are going to yell at me if if they if Luke Weaver throws seven scoreless, but man has Luke Weaver struggled this year and that bullpen is a mess right now. The Cubs really set themselves up nicely to kind of uh you know, punch the Reds in the gut. Like this is the type of series that can spiral a season out of control for a team. Like the Reds did not make any moves. I, I'm not sure who they play. Maybe you, you have a better idea of their schedule, Brett, but uh, this could it's not just four games against the Reds. This time, when you do this to a pitching staff, it can impact a team for a few more days after they leave town. I think that could be significant, and, and we could in a, in a couple weeks, if, if, that, if that's the case, like in a couple weeks we could be talking about just the Cubs and the Brewers right like it, it can damage a team significantly when you do this to their pitching staff uh it almost benefited them that the cubs blew, uh were blowing them out by so much because luke maley ate two innings set a couple quick trade deadline wrap-up thoughts to transition into kind of what's ahead i think candelario to me is someone i would be shocked if he's not a cub next year like i think maybe there's something there that I'm not seeing, but a switch hitter who can play those two positions, who is still, I'm not sure when he turns 30, but it's not yet. And you know, he's, he's not going to, you know, require after coming off a one year, $5 million year, it's going to be exactly in that kind of uh, comfort zone for the Cubs where he's not going to get six years. It's not going to be some crazy contract and just be a really good fit. Uh, I think Cody Bellinger immediately becomes your number one priority uh, this offseason. And before, you know, people commenting on our story say, oh, what do we get him for like four years and 80? Like, this is going to be an insane contract. Like, like, you know, wrap your mind around what Scott Boris has done with these, you know, decade long contracts. I don't know if Bellinger will get it, but it's going to be way more than anyone anticipated heading into the season and to get the AAV that Boris will want you kind of have to stretch it over a longer term that makes teams very uncomfortable and surprises fans when it's announced at the winter meetings and then 
uh, as we, like I said, transition to looking forward, the Cubs are probably now rooting if they maybe they always were for Marcus Stroman to opt out of his contract after this year. I think uh, how he responds will be uh, very interesting here. Uh, they're going to need him to be good. And I think internally they feel like this is actually a good thing, him going on the injury list, that he needs kind of a, a reset physically, mentally, can work on some things. It'll only be one start. And as Sahadev and I were talking about yesterday, like the Cubs never give timelines about injuries ever, except this is he's only going to miss one start, which probably tells you that they have a pretty good idea of how this is going to unfold. And... um yeah, I'll, I'll leave it to you, Brett. Well, I, I don't want to play armchair doctor here, but you know when we heard that he got the cortisone shot in the hip, usually that's an indication uh, that a guy is dealing with discomfort where there isn't a concern about long-term injury risk or you know it's it's usually just an opportunity to alleviate discomfort and allow a guy to rest and get better with with inflammation with you know so that to me was a a clue that this wasn't necessarily. Um, super serious like that that the combination of giving him an opportunity to rest physically and reset mentally was probably driving this um and i think the cubs will have an interesting uh decision to make on how they want to cover that one start that he'll miss because they could have hayden wesneski go he pitched in relief in the first blowout win which i thought was curious given that drew smiley was starting the next game um and uh, Javi Assad was not available to to cover those innings because he had just covered three or four innings uh, in the previous Marcus Stroman start. So you could see the Cubs going either route. But I think longer term, um, you you deal with that. You figure out how to cover it against a monstrous Braves lineup as best you can this weekend, and then hope that Stroman does get back to. He doesn't have to be the two five ERA guy that he was earlier this year. You just need to have a dependable starter who is giving you quality innings um, because that, that isn't supposed to be the big threat for the Cubs down the stretch. You know, it, it, it always felt like the bullpen was the thing, um, but you can't have both. You know, the offense is not going to keep producing at quite this level the rest of the way. And so they're going to need to find some floor for the pitching staff and that the best way for that to come would be if Marcus Stroman returns and is, is solid uh, longer term with him. You know, I'd be inclined to agree that the Cubs w- would be okay with having the opportunity to repurpose that 21 million that he's owed next year, not because they dis- dislike having Stroman and, and there's no bad one year contracts and all that. It's just that this off season is going to be replete with opportunity, especially starting pitchers, you know, for as, for as much as there isn't a lot on the offensive side, um, there's a lot of opportunities in pitching. And I think I'm, I, it just wouldn't surprise me if the Cubs would like to have flexibility to think about what they want to do. And it's it's just interesting that we're even at this place now where for months and months it was so obvious that Stroman was going to opt out. And now it's going to be a little bit of a conversation depending on how he comes back from this hip issue. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, who will Cubs fans riot against when they struggle for two months uh, to open the 2024 season? Like, what's the list here, Brett? How many how many names can we rattle off that will instantly become the most hated Cub on Cubs Twitter? Because uh, <laughs> that's who they'll that's who they'll choose. And you know, it's, they'll sign someone to a four or five year deal who'll struggle for two months right. and then turn it around and suddenly now everyone's like oh my god i wish jameson tyone was starting tonight i wish he was you know, like <laughs> uh yeah it's always the two months the first two months of the contract that's who the player is for eternity uh it's a i mean stroman i i basically want to echo what patrick said i think just like the front office and and the coaching staff everyone kind of knew that that like this is the best case scenario kind of when with the way he was pitching like just give him a reset I think Ross said something like we could have we could have just had him miss a start and not put him on the IL like just kind of like like you know a few days here down that's not what they wanted to do they wanted time to have him work they like he needs to kind of let this heal whatever's bugging him right there's probably like this probably clearly isn't a significant thing but it's a nagging issue and he's a mess mechanically and he is so important like mechanics are so important to everything he does I mean you saw the way he was pitching on Monday it wasn't the slider anymore the slider was okay and like every fastball pretty much his sinkers was like middle middle like everything that they hit wasn't like it wasn't like you know yesterday Smiley left two uh fastballs over the plate to Joey Votto and that pitch to Spencer Steer, he executed, right? And and Spencer Steer hit like a pop-up that goes out to the Crawford boxes or Wrigley Basket, right? Those are the places where that that, that goes out. And, and and even Smiley said as much. He's like, I thought that was – what I can't remember his exact line, but he's like, I thought that was a BS hit or something like that, if I can be honest. Uh, um so, but like with Stroman, it was like line drive, line drive, line drive. And then you go and look at the location of the pitches. It's like, oh, that's why they're lining him up. It's not like this isn't just like purely good hitting. It's just like hitting terrible pitches. Like these are center cut fastballs. What are they supposed to do with them? You know, if they're not hitting them, that's because they're missing their pitch. Uh, it ha- that was happening far too often. That's not who he is when he's right. So clearly he's not right. So get him right. I think he can be an impactful 
impactful arm for this team obviously we saw what he did and and I agree Brett you don't need 2-2 ERA you need what he's been for his career or you need him to eat innings at a reasonable rate and not give up six runs in three three innings right so I I think this should be a simple fix I think this this shouldn't be an issue that we're pointing to in in a, a month from now but uh, ultimately, you have to hope that that he kind of fixes things because I do think like as as much as Smiley kind of felt like it wasn't that big of a like he it wasn't like a disastrous outing. I think he's a, he's a slight concern, and if you have multiple concerns in the rotation, that's when you're like, okay, how do you how do you fix this? How how are you supposed to slog through the final two months of the season when forty uh, percent of the rotation can't be trusted? Although uh, you know Assad and or Wisniewski have looked really good in relief roles, I still you know you don't want to weaken the bullpen because I actually think like when you talk about like how are you the lack of additions to the bullpen? I I, I look at Assad and Wisniewski as kind of like really nice insurance to. Uh, to kind of fill those holds when you, when you ask why why wasn't why was Wisniewski pitching two days ago or whatever that was um, I mean what other options do they really have did you want him to go to the high leverage guys Rucker was gone I'm not even sure who was left that was available that he could have gone to so it was, it was kind of his hand was forced almost I mean, Stroman's at 128 and two-thirds innings. If he gets to 160, I believe his option goes from 21 to 23 million. It'll be interesting to see. Oh, at this point, I don't know. Can, will he? So cover that's that? why they put him on the injury <laughs> list. Uh, no, that's not. I, I think it's a very interesting benchmark. Like, can they ring 30 plus more innings out of him? And I think if not, it's going to be kind of what we saw in the second half of last season when no one thought they'd uh, finish as strong uh, as they did. And part of that was guys like Assad, guys like Wisniewski, kind of piecing things together, uh, figuring it out. And I think that's kind of the challenge here now to uh, cover for uh, Smiley, Stroman. Um, We've seen Tyone come back. And I thought – Hoyer made a good point the other day when he was asked about Stroman. He's, you know, hitters go through these ups and downs all the time. It's just that with pitchers, you see it a lot more because it's once every five days and it just, like, stands out. Right. Like, if a pitcher is struggling and he has two down games, it's, like, 15 days of uh, struggle, which for a hitter, obviously, is uh, seven times as much. So, yeah, I thought that was a good point, too, that stood out. Um, well, I think we'll wrap it from there Cubs finish up this series against the Reds tonight uh this four gamer and you know if they follow the pattern they're good for 12 runs tonight so hopefully that'll be enough to win this one uh unfortunately for the Reds I'm told Luke Maley will not be available (laughs) out of the bullpen tonight Brett before we wrap it sorry I I just want to ask how 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 are you feeling? Like, are you fully recovered? How did oh. everything go? Is it- yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I wrapped the, uh, for those that don't know, I do a sort of marathon session at the trade deadline each year to raise funds for Make-A-Wish. And uh, it was 42 hours this year. So started bright and early on Monday morning, ended Tuesday night. Uh, and it went, you know, it was okay. I, I felt not good as, as I usually do, but um, certainly it was... Uh, 
it was very successful insofar as we raised about $29,000 for Make-A-Wish, which is what really matters. So I appreciate any, any of you listening who supported. Thank you very much. And uh, it'll take me a few days from here to get back to normal. So please forgive, by the way, any, any lapses in logic or uh, sentence structure during the course of this podcast <laughs> was, was entirely sleep deprivation induced. But, uh, can, but thank you. Yeah. Can I, can I add one more thing about the Cubs before? Sorry to interrupt here. No, uh, you can't. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I just wanted to point out that it, it's like fun to go to the ballpark again and watch baseball and be able to write about the games. I had a Cubs official come up to me during yesterday's game uh, after the Morel double and say, is that the loudest it's been since 2018? I pointed out the Rizzo at bat uh, against the Cardinals when they first uh, uh, opened up the ballpark to full capacity again back in 21. Uh, That was similar but this is the first time this deep into the season where it felt like it mattered. Like uh, there were moments on Monday where I felt like they, they were the fans were on the edge of their seat at every moment when the Cubs nearly came back. Uh, yesterday's comeback uh, and then blowout, it felt like that multiple times. And it's just nice. Like it's nice to feel that energy in Wrigley Field again. Uh, hopefully it lasts for another two months and, and we'll see what they can do with that. But it's just it's a it's enjoyable to be able to cover a team that's relevant uh, and doesn't isn't just playing out the string over the final two months uh, where we have to talk about uh, free agency and how does this team actually compete again and how how do they uh, how how far away they are from from being good uh, now we can actually discuss the play on the field currently and and kind of analyze that and that that's significantly better and i i hope fans are appreciating it and and enjoying every moment because right now it's a fun team i mean right like couldn't say that two months ago and now now you're i mean i'm sure you're loving it brett well it's what we said we wanted to see back in spring training you know just be competitive i'd like to see some meaningful baseball in august september i mean i don't know how many times we said that um either as a fan or as someone who covers the team and so we're in it And I think that that's also everyone's going to have to remember that if and when, you know, if this doesn't ultimately result in a playoff appearance or it's a short playoff that, you know, you've got to remember that you we got value as fans. And this is worth it. Cover the team. This this is it. And so, you know, whatever the Cubs might have gotten in a sell off or, you know, whatever becomes down the road of DJ Hers and Kevin Made, you know, whatever, like we're in what they've paid for right now. And um it's it's pretty fun. I tell you, there's there's two versions of Wrigley Field, both of which are perfectly enjoyable to me. There's there's the Wrigley Field where you're going with friends, you you are interested in the ball game, but you're there for the experience. You're there for because it's a it's a great day to just have fun with friends and against the backdrop of a beautiful ballpark and a baseball game. And then there is everyone is there for the baseball game itself and and is focused on every pitch and um we don't get that one as often but i was there on monday and i gotta tell you the intensity was was right up there with those years in in 15 16 17 especially august and september you know it just feels like everybody is more clued in on the fact that like so much can swing with every pitch and that volume and intensity and energy that sort of radiates throughout the ballpark i have missed that I have missed that a lot. Again, 
That isn't to say that the other times at Wrigley Field aren't enjoyable. They are. Some people use it as like a criticism of Wrigley. Like, ah, people are there just to have fun. And it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> fun is good, right? Like, isn't that how awful. That's a bad thing? <laughs> but I will but I will say in tandem with that, when the Cubs are playing well, when you feel like, you know, when they go down, what was it, five, six, one or whatever in that Monday game, and you you don't feel like the game is over at all. You're like, okay, get a couple here, get a couple, you know, that is the most enjoyable version of baseball. And uh, the Cubs are playing that right now. And I look forward to, uh, instead of dreading the Braves, who are the best team in baseball coming to town this weekend, I'm curious to see how the Cubs are going to play. Like that's, that's how I view it. And uh, I, I like that. I'm glad we're in that space right now. I think I said three and four so, during this stretch was acceptable. Three and four would be, perfectly acceptable and you know like this in this series with the reds you know they're they're wrapping it tonight if they lose and it's a split that's just not the worst outcome in the world you'd love to have made up ground you know but a four gamer statistically it it ends in a split a lot and so um not the worst outcome but they have a chance to take this series and to make up two games on the reds in this one series that's that's pretty outstanding and then if they take a game from the braves just one and I'm I'm content uh, for and now. look competitive, right? They, like kind of how they yeah, were look, against the Dodgers yeah. for the most part early in the season. Just right, you know, right. give them a tough matchup. Yes, Don't make like, it easy. Yeah, look like you have some fight in you too. And because the Braves are going to score runs, they're going to score Oof, a lot of runs that in that series. That's just that lineup is. Uh, someone uh, the Codify uh, Twitter account just was posting today about the lineup is like. It's not just that they're all above league average, every hitter in that lineup. It's like they are aggressively <laughs> above league average at every spot in that lineup. Good for them. Good good for the Braves. They only have those guys locked up for the next decade. Um, sorry, NL East. Uh, and that's uh, what we will be doing this weekend. And then we'll be back to talk to you on Monday. This is Ant Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff over at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadif Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. Hope you have a good and safe and happy and healthy weekend. And keep enjoying some great baseball at Wrigley Field. Because uh, you never know when it comes and goes. So enjoy it while you have it. Take care all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 